Hi, and welcome into another edition of the Russell Street Report. I'm Tony Lombardi. With their 20-12 victory over the Tampa Bay Bucks, the Ravens advanced to 8-6 on the season. However, their playoff chances took a little bit of a hit because the Titans and the Colts won, also advancing to 8-6. It looks like now, folks, the Ravens are going to have to run the table in order to advance to the playoffs. Lamar Jackson advanced to 4-1 as a starter. In his first five games as a starter, Lamar has a passer rating of 79.1. By comparison, Joe Flacco's passer rating in his first five starts was 60.6. On the season, Lamar has 566 yards rushing, which tops the Ravens. And despite only having five starts so far, he is closing in on the 10th best rushing season by a quarterback in NFL history. Since 1980, the Ravens have the most team rushing yards through any five-week stretch with 1,152 yards that eclipsed the 1,150 yards that the Rams held since 1984. Also should be noted that in 1984, the Bears had a five-game stretch of 1,147 yards, and the Rams had another five-game stretch of 1,140 yards. Some prolific rushing offenses there. I've been a big critic of Brandon Williams, but against the Bucks, he came up with a big stop in a key spot, dropping Peyton Barber, for a three-yard loss on a big third-and-one attempt at the Ravens' 30 with less than eight minutes to go in the game, and the Ravens clinging to a 20-12 lead. We'll talk about Brandon Williams later in the program. Following the stuff by Williams, Marlon Humphrey then made another big play to preserve the win. My game balls for the game go out to Humphrey, C.J. Mosley, Gus Edwards, and Lamar Jackson. The Steelers beat the Patriots to remain atop the AFC North with a 17-10 win in Pittsburgh. Tom Brady... He is finally showing signs of his 41 years on the planet. The Patriots fall to the third seed as of now in the AFC. The Steelers go to New Orleans this week to take on the Saints as six-point underdogs. Meanwhile, the Ravens travel to L.A. for a Saturday night showdown against the Chargers. A Chargers loss against the Chiefs may have changed the stakes in L.A., but now the Chargers have a shot at the AFC West crown and the number one overall seed. The Chiefs are at the Seahawks on Sunday night. Possibly returning to the Chargers lineup are Keenan Allen and Melvin Gordon. It won't be easy, folks. We'll take a quick time out. When we get back, we're going to sit down with Harley Sherman, who covers the Ravens as an analyst for Pro Football Focus. Later in the program, we'll be joined by Chris Johnston, who covers quarterbacks for a website called Complete QB. We're going to break down Lamar Jackson. And then, rumor has it, we're going to get a visit from Baltimore Ron later on the program. Don't go away. This is the Russell Street Report. Welcome back into the Russell Street Report. I'm Tony Lombardi. Joining us now on the Mobile One Hotline, he covers the Baltimore Ravens for Pro Football Focus. His name is Harley Sherman. He joins us from across the pond. Harley, how are you today? I'm good, thanks, yeah. Thanks for joining us. So talk a little bit about your start with Pro Football Focus, how you got acquainted with the Chris Collinsworth group, and you know how you even got into football being a Brit. Um, so I started about 15 years ago. I think I started watching it on a family holiday 
And when I got when I got back to the UK, I'd, I'd stay up late watching the games, uh, tape them on VHS. Uh, fantasy football was and Madden was a big part of my interest in, as well. And then about three or four years ago, I just answered an advert on PFS website looking for part-time analysts. And I passed the trials and the interview and um, eventually got a full-time job and, and that's where I am now. Well, congrats to you. You do some great work for the Ravens. So let's focus on yesterday's game when the Ravens hosted the Tampa Bay Bucks. Brandon Williams, a guy who I've been a critic of so far this season because I don't think he's played up to the level of his contract, made a big play. But, you know, the eyeball test sometimes tells a different story than the pro football focus analytics. Talk about Brandon's play so far this season as compared to 2017. So um, in this season, he's the fifth-ranked defender on the team with a 62.2 grade. But that's pretty much uh, via his run blocking. So um, as same as with other seasons, he's not offering a huge amount uh, in the pass rush. So, so far, he's, he's got one sack and 12 total pressure so far. And usually averages about 15 season. And obviously, in this day and age of the NFL, the, the passing game is is the key and that's what you need to stop particularly with teams like the the Chiefs and the Chargers so that's something that is, is lacking in but he is still the cornerstone of the defensive interior um, the only defensive tackle that's out snapping at the moment is, is Brent Urban Well compare and contrast Brandon with Michael Pierce who seems to be having a really good season Yeah so Michael Pierce is actually our top ranked defender of 90.9 grade and he's he um, has about double the amount of pressure so what um, what he met matches for him with um, uh, against the run he beats him with pass rushing basically so Michael Pierce is is definitely via via out metrics he's the more productive of the two and Marlon Humphrey had a fantastic game maybe arguably his best as a pro for the Ravens against the Bucks yesterday. Talk about him and how he compares to some of the top-ranked corners in the league. Yeah, so uh, by our grading, that was his best game of the season so far. It was a 91.3 grade, which was the best on the team. And he only gave up two catches on six targets of 13 yards um, and included a one interception, one pass breakup too. And in particular, he only gave up one or two against Mike Evans, one of the top receivers in the league. And in the season overall, he's great, 81.1, great, seven grade. He's the second best in the team. And despite giving up no touchdowns in 2017, he's given up four, but there's been none since week 11. And I'm not sure where he ranks um, among the, one of the best cornerbacks in the league, but if he keeps performing like he did yesterday, then he should be well up there. Yep. He's the best graded um, um, defender in the secondary on the Ravens team so far this season. Shifting gears and moving to the other side of the football and talking about the Ravens offense, Lamar Jackson is getting a lot of publicity through locally and throughout the nation because he's just a different kind of quarterback. Now, the Ravens are going to be facing some higher-powered offenses if they make it into the playoffs than they have over the past few weeks. But talk about Lamar as a quarterback and his development so far and how he will have to put points on the board against some of these higher-ranking offensive teams. Yeah, so 
it's um it's a tough one because he's he's grading um he's grading at only fifty eight point eight, which is around fortieth um among quarterbacks. So going solely of the me- the PFF metrics is not that great. But like you say, what he, what he offers is is a completely different um is a completely different to what Flacco offers on the ground, uh, confusing defences, but obviously he's won he's won lost so far, came against the Chiefs, which are one of the best offences in the league. And the thing you have to worry about, particularly looking for looking to the Chargers uh, this weekend, is how you can match up with teams that can put a lot of points on the board and having to um, catch up from behind. So one of the one of the Braven strengths of the past five games has been getting ahead and then eating up on clock, stopping the opposing teams from getting lots of snaps and having a chance to make points. So if they, if they do make the playoffs, then they've got teams like the Colts, the Steelers, the Chargers, who can easily score 30, 40 points. So it's important in those games that they stay ahead and they don't fall behind by like one or two touchdowns. When you look at Lamar play, Harley, what weaknesses do you see? I mean, it's obvious that passing and throwing the football as compared and contrasted to Joe Flacco, there's obvious deficiencies there. But do you think that what he's doing can be improved upon and corrected so that he becomes a franchise quarterback? Well, the the knock on him coming out of college was that he was a a raw passer. His accuracy was inconsistent. That's that's still apparent now. He still misses some throws, but I think with with time he he should improve. It's it's only his rookie season. Not not every rookie quarterback is like it's like Baker Mayfield who hits the ground running. But one one thing the Ravens have to be have to hope and be well be wary of is that opposing teams don't. Um, maybe catch up to the the quirks of, of his game or figure out ways to stop him. So it's important they keep they keep it fresh with the play calling and keep it as simple as they can with him. When you looked at that game yesterday, it looked like the Tampa Bay Bucks actually had a good game plan to go against him and he just his athleticism was so dynamic that he was able to escape pressure many times. Yeah, so he's I think he's um Avoided 17 tackles so far this season, and if you if you um, extrapolate that across to like a 17 week season, I think he'd be leading the league in quarterbacks. So he's got, like you say, he's got that pure athleticism that sometimes you can't, no matter what your game plan is, you still can't um, adjust for it. So he's always got that advantage against other against teams. We're speaking with Harley Sherman. He covers the Ravens for Pro Football Focus. Harley, in looking at the Ravens' receiving core, the three guys that they brought in in 2018, Michael Crabtree, John Brown, and Willie Sneed, of the three, it seems to be that he's developing the best rapport with Willie Sneed. Talk about his, his, his game, Willie Sneed, and how it complements that of Lamar Jackson, and then compare and contrast Sneed to John Brown and Michael Crabtree. Well, uh, Crabtree's probably the the best of the three, and he offers like a, a smooth route runner. John Brown's more of a speedster, and I think Willie Smead, Willie Sneed, um, 
it kind of complements Lamar's more um, he's like his scrambling nature and his um, ability to play on the on, on the fly. Chris Collinsworth, he took over Pro Football Focus. What was it two years ago, three years ago? Yeah, it's three or four years ago. I think. Okay. Yeah. Now I got to tell you, full disclosure, was not a big fan of Chris Collinsworth until recently when I saw him on a Football Life, NFL Network's a Football Life, just gave a completely different picture of the man that he is. Talk about what it's like to work with Chris Collinsworth. Um, to be honest, being um, across the pond in England, I don't, I don't really get much interaction with him. So he's, he's not inv- as involved in the, Fair in the day-to-day of PFF um, as, as it is. I'm, I'm not sure what his exact title is, but as far as I know from speaking to people who've uh, work, work in the, in the headquarters in Cincinnati, he's, he's a great guy, he's hands-on, he's always looking to improve the, the company. So as far as I'm concerned, he's doing, he's, since he's um, taken over the company, he's gone leaps and bounds, we've increased our client base. So as far as I'm concerned, he's, he's been a great um, positive to the company. Now, if the Ravens happen to be playing on Sunday Night Football or a game that Chris was covering, would he be dialing you up and saying, Harley, give me the goods on the Ravens? <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> okay. I want to talk about the inside linebacker position. We all know that C.J. Mosley's in a contract year. He's playing well. He's played really, really well against Tampa Bay Bucks yesterday. But talk a little bit about the guys playing next to him, Patrick Awaso, popularly known as Peanut, and Kenny Young. Compare and contrast those two players. So uh, both of the players aren't grading brilliantly this season. Uh, Kenny, Kenny Young has a 56.3 grade, and, and Wimsaw has 57.2. So, and it seems like they've been in a bit of a job share. So I think the coach is still trying to figure out uh, who they prefer. So on Wimsaw is is the, probably the better tackler. He has uh, three missed tackles compared to Young's seven. But Young has a slightly better pass rush grade and he has slightly more pressures. So they do complement each other in different ways. So on Wilson will be more useful in run downs, whereas Young, you can use him in the pressure packages that um that we that the Ravens like to use on third downs or obvious passing situations. So I think the situation they've got right now with um splitting them up, having them play both play. Uh, 30, 40 snaps the games uh, works quite well. The Steelers beating the Patriots last night, as well as wins by the Titans and the Colts, put the Ravens in a position where they kind of have to win out in order to really have a chance to make it to the postseason dance. They're going to have to do that by beating the Chargers. Talk about the matchup with the Ravens and the Chargers, and what do you expect that game, the outcome of that game to be? So, uh, with the Chargers, it obviously begins and ends with their with their offense. Philip Rivers is the is our third highest rated quarterback this season. Um, Austin Eckler is the fifth rated halfback, um, and the key the key matchup is who covers Keenan Allen, who's who's the third best uh, ranked wide receiver. So we talked about Marlon Humphrey. Um, if he gets matched up on Keenan Allen and he has a big game, that could be a big factor as whether the Ravens will win or not. 
and I believe Eckler and Allen um, are carrying injuries, so that could be a big factor if whether they play or not. Mm-hmm. But um, it'll be a very close one, and seeing and seeing if, um, like I spoke before about whether Jackson can uh, can keep up with a team that can score prolifically. But um, I think I, I think the Ravens are edge edge personally. The Ravens win. Yeah, that's great to hear. So you know, it's it's already happened. Last night, the Philadelphia Eagles went from the right coast to the left coast, took on the Rams in L.A. as thirteen point underdogs, came away with the win. So maybe the Ravens can do the same as four and a half point underdogs against the Chargers in Los Angeles on sun, on Saturday night. Harley, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Great. Thanks, Tony. Thank you. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Chris Johnson from Complete QB. We're going to break down Lamar Jackson, talk about the potential that he offers the Ravens going forward. Don't go away. Like 33rd Street was to Colt fans, Russell Street will become legendary for future generations of Raven fans. Not only is Russell Street the team's address on Sunday, it's now home to the website voted Baltimore's best five years in a row. You've known them as Ravens247.com for years, and now you'll love them as RussellStreetReport.com for many more. There's nothing else like it for Baltimore football fans. Trust me, RussellStreetReport.com. Baltimore's home for football 24-7. Hi, and welcome back into the Russell Street Report. I'm Tony Lombardi. Joining us now on the Mobile One Hotline via Skype, he's from Complete QB. His name is Chris Johnston. Chris, welcome into the program. Tony, thanks for having me. Always glad to join. Hey, my pleasure. Hey, happy birthday, by the way. Another De- I'm a December baby as well. Thank you very much. <laughs> the word got out on social media. You're like, what were you, like, <laughs> Absolutely. You're like 20 for the Thank second you. time or something like that? 24, actually, Tony. Okay, okay. <laughs> Just, yeah, I mean, I was close. <laughs> yeah, close. All right, let's get down into it. Uh, first, let's talk a little bit about Complete QB, if you can share with our listeners and viewers a little bit about what your program's about, and, and that way that'll give them a little bit of background as we get into our conversation. Sure. So it's, a, it's essentially born out of a, a love for all things quarterback. Um, we conduct two-day uh, regional camps, about seven or eight locations around the U.S. Um, that are geared mostly toward high school, uh, youth, some college guys. Um, and then we do team workouts, uh, individual training, that sort of thing. And then we do, uh, as certainly as we do with you over the years, Tony, we do some uh, pre- and post-draft analysis, uh, NFL and college football, uh, media appearances and talk here and there, uh, as well as presence on the web in terms of like uh, tutorials and, and, and that sort of thing related to quarterback play. Now, you mentioned high school and some college kids. Some would argue sure. that the Ravens are now running a college or high school offense. Your thoughts on Lamar Jackson so far from what you've seen at the professional ranks? So I think uh, what we've seen is an extension of what we saw of him uh, in uh, his years, his three years at Louisville. Um, I think that he's who he was when he got drafted. Uh, I think he's an exciting player, um, pretty dynamic, can obviously use his legs to solve a lot of problems. Um, although I don't know how well that fits into long-term NFL plans, and I'm sure we'll talk about that here a little bit down the line. But uh, what I've seen so far is a really dynamic player uh, who's still doing on-the-job training as an NFL quarterback as a rookie. Um, sure, certainly has shown some flashes, but I think some things that uh, uh, certainly need some refinement as well so far. 
So given his explosiveness and his speed, I think it's only natural that people will closely uh, align him with Michael Vick. But from my perspective, and I'd rather have yours, but from my perspective, I don't think that's a fair comparison. I don't really even think it's an accurate one outside of their speed. Your thoughts on that comparison? So he cut out on, on me for a moment, but I think you said the Michael Vick comparison, right? And right. I, think, um, I think it's a logical one because they're both guys who can run around and make some plays. Um, I think that, you know, just in terms of physical stature, um, they're a little bit, they're built a little bit different. Um, I also think that uh, uh, Lamar Jackson, ultimately, it's, it's an incomplete grade in the NFL. He's just a few games into his career. Uh, whereas the body of work we can look at with Michael Vick, he's very consistent with what he did in college. His accuracy um, by NFL standards, modern day NFL standards, was not what you'd look for in a prototype or a franchise quarterback. But he did have the X factor, able to run around uh, a good bit. I think with Lamar Jackson, it's still a little early for us to evaluate him as someone who, you know, to establish what he can or cannot do as an NFL quarterback. Um, I think early on, the, the, the part of the comparison that is fair is their efficiency um, and their completion percentage, kind of the, the touchdown interception ratio you might expect uh, from that style of quarterback, uh, and certainly his capability and ability to uh, extend drives. One of the things that probably um, a parallel between the two that's, a, I think, a bit worrisome for a long-term plan for an NFL franchise would be um, when that much of your rushing productivity comes from the quarterback position, it's usually not a good thing because as mostly an economic factor in the NFL, no one's really uh, hoping to design a whole lot of quarterback run plays and to have guys uh, from the quarterback position in the league. Uh, and I think you saw that a lot especially in his Falcons days with Michael Vick, that uh, things are break down and it kind of imp in an impromptu way would create, gain a lot of rushing yards that way. We're seeing the same thing here now with Lamar Jackson leading the Ravens in rushing. Uh, certainly not something that you'd hope to do on purpose in the NFL, that's for sure. Now, if you were in the quarterback's room and you're sitting there with James Urban, the quarterback's coach, Marty Morningweg, the Ravens offensive coordinator, and you're looking at film with Lamar Jackson – and you look and study at his, you know, study his throwing motion, because it's been criticized, and maybe that has something to do with his accuracy. What if they asked you, Chris, as the the founder of Complete QB, what would you suggest to those guys if they asked for your your expertise on how to fix Lamar Jackson's passing? So one of the things that I, I think we've seen over many years uh, with quarterbacks, once they reach the college level and certainly beyond, is the ability to reinvent somebody mechanically. We're talking about now for a 22-year-old you know, as they come into the league, someone who's got two decades of muscle memory built into the way they deliver football. If you don't believe that to be the case, take a look at Phillip Rivers uh, out the Chargers. Uh, I would certainly never instruct anybody to use the mechanics that right. Philip Rivers. <laughs> but, but he gets it done. He's gotten by pretty well. <laughs> he's, he's done okay with it. Um, and it was all a byproduct of his dad was a high school coach. And um, the legend has it that he gripped in the, uh, the high school and college-sized ball as a little kid. The only way he could manage to, to hold on to that ball and deliver it was to kind of cup his hand, break his wrist, and have his elbow underneath the ball. That's how he learned to survive. You know, we're adaptive creatures in that way. Uh, uh, over time, he adapted the rest of his mechanics um, to kind of suit that delivery. I think when you get to the point where you're in your early 20s and you're a grown man and uh, you throw a football a certain kind of way, I think much of the arm action is uh, set, if not entirely in stone. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty much what it's going to be. 
I think the things that you can really work to change are the way that you come in contact with the ground, the amount of rotation you have in your delivery, um, where you step uh, with the lead foot, with the non-throwing foot, those sorts of things. And I think a lot of it uh, is kind of informed or influenced by the type of offense, the style of offense that you run. Do you like a guy out in space? Um, do you like a guy to be a play-action guy, similar to how Flacco was for so many years um, for the Ravens, you know, by design? Um, or is he a straight uh, shotgun, get the ball out quickly kind of guy? And I think a couple things to note with that. Um, do I think that refinements can be made mechanically? Certainly over time, especially in response to things like injury, uh, inaccuracy, as you said. But I think it's more of a whole body approach as opposed to mechanically the way that the ball comes off the hand. I think that much of that has already been determined by this point. Uh, but I think uh, Lamar Jackson has demonstrated an ability, I think, to recognize things intellectually and see them on the field and, and be able to understand things from a position because he was asked to do a lot in college. Um, it's a matter of if the Ravens can um, determine that that's the sort of quarterback that they want. They have really two polar opposites on their roster in their quarterback room right now. I think I decide what direction are they going to go. Uh, if I were in that room now, I certainly would have as a strategy to try to get Lamar Jackson to continue to refine in a quote-unquote pro-style passing game, but also be mindful that if he's going forward, we got to design some things that certainly suit his strengths. Uh, and you have to do that, by the way, without having the luxury of what you, what Bobby Petrino did at Louisville, which was factor in quarterback design run plays. There's too much of an investment in the position in the NFL. I think for anybody to consistently say, hey, we're going to give this guy in the pocket uh, 10 to 12 or 8 to 14 carries a, a game. It's just not going to make sense. And it's too much of a risk, and you have an entire fan base and a franchise holding their breath with every snap of the football uh, when you approach it that way. So I continue in kind of helping him refine himself as an NFL quarterback uh, and then build complimentary stuff that kind of suits his style, whether it's uh, things that attack the edge a little bit and get him in a space where he can um, not be a sitting duck between the tackles and run plays, uh, but potentially be out in space outside the tackles with the ability to uh, run or pass the football from them. Chris, you mentioned that Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson are polar opposites. You also introduced the concept or, or the, the notion of the fan base and, and their response to what they're seeing on the field. There are some that believe, and even John Harbaugh as the head coach has alluded to this, that the Ravens should plan a game whereby Lamar Jackson is involved in the game plan, as is Joe Flacco. But there are a lot of hurdles that go with such a game plan. If you could, talk a little bit about the week in preparation for a game and how that's really difficult to manage different sub-packages for both of those types of quarterbacks. Sure. Well, I think the, the number one thing is buy-in and making sure it's certainly the expectation is that a quarterback's a professional. We're talking about both guys that don't be comfortable with that. Um, no commentary on how either – uh, Lamar Joe would react to that, but uh, it is something. Except certainly, when you take somebody like Joe Flacco, who is a uh, really been the face of the franchise at the quarterback position, uh, has a Super Bowl ring as their leader, multiple Pro Bowls, um, and so there's there's got to be something um, in the back of his mind as he approaches any kind of preparation where he's splitting time as a quarterback. It's got to be an adjustment, uh, and the hope is that he'd be able to to deal with that. Okay, schematically, I think the advantage that you give yourself. Um, you have the ability now to force a defense to prepare for a couple of different things. I don't know that schematically, however, um, that you can really put a defense consistently in a bind unless 
you are to involve Lamar Jackson on purpose in the running game. Uh, and the reason I say that is uh, we're going to make an assumption here that Joe Flacco, if you're going to play a, a pro-style you know, pocket-passing offense for a quarterback, is going to be more refined and better at it than Lamar Jackson right now. I think that's a fair statement to make, given his years of experience. It's something he's used to. It's all he's ever been in the NFL. Um, so given that the rookie Jackson uh, is unfamiliar uh, with that or still growing into that role, I don't see where the switch to Lamar Jackson from Joe Flacco mid-game or mid-quarter or whatever it might be uh, is a massive advantage for you with the exception of the ability for him to pull down the ball and kind of when things break down, get out and, and run around. So I think if you, were, if you were really to do it as an intentional strategy headed into game week, you've got to be willing to put um, the quarterback with the, uh, who's got the athletic advantage probably in harm's way a little bit in saying that we're going to treat him a little bit uh, like a running back in some, some zone read concepts, that sort of thing. Um, and that's really a – everybody's got to be on board in the franchise to decide that you're going to do that with a guy that you wasted a pretty high – not wasted, but used a pretty high draft pick on uh, uh, just, you know, nine months ago or, 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 you know, seven or eight months ago. So that's uh, not, not the easiest decision in the world to make. And I, I really think that if you're determined to get both these guys on the field in the same contest – there's got to be some kind of outside-the-box thinking uh, around that. Now, one of the things you oftentimes hear about a young quarterback, particularly when they're going through their bumps and bruises as rookies, is that they have to adjust to the speed of the game. Now, for me, that has a multifaceted or multi-tiered meaning behind it. And what I, what I mean by that is that it's not just the speed of the players on the field it's more than that. It's, it's a cerebral part for these quarterbacks. Talk about that a little bit if you could, Chris. Sure. So I don't think we can address that without talking a little bit about what Lamar Jackson did uh, in his college days at Louisville. Okay. Um, something to, to keep in mind when we talk about the speed of the game. Um, there's, a, there's a major factor uh, that, that went into uh, Lamar Jackson's just prolific career that he had in college, and that was the ability and the threat to either run or pass the ball on every snap. Uh, and uh, so the, the speed of the game, I don't know if it's so much that um, a tech increase from playing at a high-level college, a Power 5 conference, um, with the ACC, then moving to the NFL. Certainly it's the, it's the finest of the finest in the NFL. But uh, there's not a lot of slow guys running around on the field in the ACC either. What I think the primary difference is is schematic in that oftentimes there are windows that uh, didn't have as, as quick a closure on them uh, because oftentimes you'd be uh, a ride and read or ride and decide type of approach. We're going to have to do a whiteboard session sometimes uh, soon, Tony. Let's okay. get let's get on the board and and, let's uh, do that. and kind of draw stuff up. But um, oftentimes, when you make a, a pull decision, a pull the football and deliver the ball, oftentimes there's not a back edge to that window because the guy that was the back edge of that window was your trigger man to decide if you're going to throw the football or give the football or run it or whatever. Um, in the NFL, if you're if you're playing a pocket passing game. Um, there are a lot more. There, there are going to be more drop defenders. There's probably going to be more bodies to deal with in coverage. So the decision has to be made a lot more quickly. Whereas in college, if you're a split second late after you make your decision um, in delivering the football on the throw, oftentimes the back end of that that window that you're imagining might not be in the same position that he was um, or will be in the NFL because there wasn't the threat of a quarterback run um, or a kind of a ride and read type approach. So. I think that's pretty significant, and it only adds to what has to be a pretty steep transition for Lamar Jackson to say, okay, that's stuff that we did for you on, you know, depending on the year. And there was some evolution in the Louisville offense during his time there, but 
um, you know, depending on, on, on the year that you select, anywhere from 20 to 50% of their offense could involve um, some read option type stuff. That stuff is largely going to not be present when you're running a pro offense in the NFL. So uh, major adjustment and the timing, I think, really factors in when you realize that there's potentially more defenders in pass coverage for you. Would it make sense for the Ravens to hire Bobby Petrino as an assistant? That would be an adventure, Tony. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think I think it's bigger than that. I think it's bigger than. Uh, I think you really got to decide that. Uh, got to run around a little bit, um, but you got to commit to having a. You know, this is going to be a Doug Flutie type offense that we're going to have for the Ravens, and and uh, love it or hate it, this is what we're going to do. The same way that when Joe Flacco drafted I, I think over the last couple decades i think the way that the ravens roster was built and their organizational philosophy was was kind of constructed i don't think there's many examples of um a better cohesion uh in the way that they drew up their plans uh, they decided what joe flacco was and they decided that they were going to be a run heavy um play action offense where they took a lot of shots down the field that suited his strengths uh gave him equipped him with uh backs out of the backfield that could could really just get slippery and get lost a little bit and be available for check down throws. Um, it really worked it masterfully for a lot of years. Um, but it was it was part of an organizational philosophy that everybody was in and everybody believed in it. And uh, they built the roster around that philosophy. They did. And some would say that they got away from that a little bit rec- most recently with Joe Flacco and the lack of a running game that supported him when he was the starting quarterback. Yep. Last Last question for you, Chris. The, you, let's, let's imagine that you're in that war room and Steve Bashotti is asking for your opinion about Lamar Jackson. We want to build a team around his individual skill sets. Is he worthy of such a restructure in personnel to build a team around him? And I guess a, a better question to ask, do you think he could be a franchise quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens? So what I've, what I've seen so far... Um, there's nothing I've seen that would indicate to me that he's a franchise quarterback. Uh, it doesn't mean that he can't be somebody who's a, a quarterback for a long time. I've heard some some pretty sharp criticism of quarterbacks over the years that would describe, you know, they'll never be a franchise quarterback. But there's some guys who are pretty serviceable, and um, um, it's kind of a uh, it's kind of a, a slippery thing that we're chasing. We say find that franchise quarterback. Uh, you and I have talked many times over the years, Tony, about. You know, where does Flacco fit in the pantheon and the ranks of NFL quarterbacks? Um, and I think which, I think the better question to ask is, can you have a guy who's in the top two-thirds? Can you have a guy who's in the top half of NFL quarterbacks? And what's it going to take for you to be satisfied? Um, or do you need somebody who's in the top half dozen or eight guys in the league that truly deserves that kind of that franchise label? Um, from what I've seen um, over the, his time at Louisville, uh, his brief time in the NFL, I don't see that in his skill set. Given the level of potential roster restructuring you need to do, that sort of thing, got to keep something in mind here. Over the three seasons body of work at Louisville, um, and over his time here briefly in the NFL, this is a guy who's never hit sixty percent in completion. So the 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 uh, level of restructuring that you'd have to do, uh, and I guess roster construction related to what his skill set is, is pretty significant. I think that also begs a further question, which is, so now what about when you, how many Lamar Jacksons are there running around the world? First of all, not many. He's pretty uniquely talented. Uh, So God forbid on a rainy day, what happens when Lamar Jackson gets hurt? 
and now who's your go-to guy, the next guy that you have that's going to kind of fit with the way that you've constructed the roster, take a unique um, kind of skill set. The NFL prototype uh, is more readily available coming out of the college ranks and in the free agent market. And so I see why uh, sometimes the NFL gets criticized for being a, a league with a lack of imagination, that sort of thing. But there are you got to plan for a rainy day too, Tony, and make sure that you have a team that, uh, God forbid, you lose somebody. Um, a la the Eagles have lived through this uh, couple of times. Uh, in just the last, you know, 12, 14 months. Um, you got to be prepared to turn the page and have the next man up and not have the whole franchise go to pieces because that one linchpin in it all uh, wound up being unavailable for whatever reason. Really great points, Chris. Talk a little bit about uh, Complete QB one more time. Sure, I'd be happy to. So we're uh, a quarterback development program. Um, function largely in the Northeast, but we, we spread out throughout the country as well. This time of year, Tony, we're coming up on the uh, – the uh, college and high school uh, coaches clinic circuit. Mm-hmm. So we'll be out on the road talking talking biomechanics, all the fun stuff that I love, talking strategy, talking football. Um, you can find us always at completeqb.com. Uh, you certainly can find us as well on social media, Facebook and Twitter, uh, at completeqb and on Instagram at completeqb2000. So always glad to hear from folks, Tony, and always glad to be with you for sure. Absolute pleasure, Chris. Thanks for joining us, and happy birthday again. Thanks, Tony. Much appreciated. Take care. Happy holidays to you and yours, too. All right, we're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, rumors are true, folks. Baltimore Ron will be here. Don't go away. Welcome back into the Russell Street Report. Folks, the rumors are true. He is with us. Joining us now on the Mobile One Hotline, none other than Baltimore Ron. BR, how are you, man? Yeah, what's up, Tony Lombardi? How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. How you doing? Man, I'm doing great. I'm just sitting here in, in the best basement, in the, uh, the big basement in the best side of Bel Air Road, just chilling with my bobbleheads, enjoying the victory. <laughs> It was a nice victory yesterday. Did you go to the game? Of course I go to the game. I haven't missed a game since the Ravens came here. I was there when Vinny Testaverde scored against the Raiders, and I ain't missed a game since. Now, what was the atmosphere like? Because it looked on TV, because I didn't go to the game, it looked like on TV that there wasn't a lot of people there. It was, look, the atmosphere was electric. It just wasn't the same amount of electricity as it normally is. There was a lot of people stayed home, not going to lie to you. In my Section 503, I almost died of loneliness. But, <laughs> but I will say this, the people that were there, die hard, baby. They were cheering. And you know what, though? The Ravens gave out, they said they gave out 30,000 scarves yesterday. Can you believe that? I don't know, did they? I don't know if they did, but there weren't 30,000 people there, so I didn't get a scarf, and they should have about 10,000 left over. <laughs> so what are you going to do about that, Baltimore Ron? I'm going to go down there and get me a scarf, because it's going to be cold for the rest of the year. Uh, I mean, f- fair is fair, right? 
Fair is fair, but you know what they could have done? They could have done us all a favor and gave out ponchos. Would have helped. Hey, talk about the music, because the music down there at the stadium has been a pet peeve of mine. What did you think of it yesterday? You know what? It's like whoever's doing the music schizophrenic. They'll play something I can get down with, like they'll play some Rush or some, you know, they'll play a little Led Zeppelin, and I'm rocking out, and then they follow that up with like Miley Cyrus, Britney Spears, Taylor <laughs> Swift. I mean, if I wanted to hear that kind of music, I would have just went down to White Marsh Mall and hung out right by the Hot Topic or Forever 21, you know? And then, you know, I hang out there and then they escort me away with a security guard because they think I'm creepy. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't You know, the music, they got to get something. I want it to be pumped up and alive. I don't want, you know, no Taylor Swift. You kidding me? I hear you. This is Baltimore. <laughs> All right, speaking of Baltimore, and the Baltimore's biggest rival is the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know if you're like me, Baltimore, Ron, but there's only one time every season I, that I root for the New England Patriots. It's when they're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I never feel too good about it. I tell you what, last night I was rooting for the Patriots about as hard as a young man can root for the Patriots. And when the game was over, I had to take a shower. And you ever seen the, the movie that was out in the early 90s called The Crying Game? Oh, no. <laughs> That's the way I was. I was in the fetal position in the shower crying my eyes out because I felt, I felt used. I felt dirty. You, you, can't vote, you can't be rooting for no patriots, you know, but it's better than the alternative. I can't root for the Steelers. It would have helped us, you know, and all the, you know, Tom Brady has 15 good games a year, but the one good game that we need him to have, he can't do it, killing me, just absolutely killing me. <laughs> so the, Ra the Ravens are now still in second place, a half game behind the Steelers. That If the Steelers had lost yesterday, that would have been a big help to the Ravens' playoff chances. But talk about the playoffs. You know, do you think the Ravens still have a chance at the AFC North? Here's what I got to say. TCB, Lombardi, take care of business. TCB, the Ravens TCB, they're in like Flint. Because here's what's going to happen. The Steelers got to play New Orleans. And New Orleans is going to beat them like they stole something. New Orleans <laughs> is going to smack them around like a puppy that pooped on the floor. That's the way it's going to be. It's going to be a whooping. So if the Ravens can just keep Lamar Jackson moving and grooving, shaking and baking, and we keep pounding the ball down their throats, Chargers ain't going to beat us. I don't care if they're in San Diego, if they're in Los Angeles, if they go to New Mexico. Hell, if they go to Canada, they're still getting an ass whipping. So let's dial it forward. They're going to go to L.A. to play the Chargers. A must win, like you said, TCB, take care of business. Will the Ravens take care of business in L.A.? There ain't no question. Ain't no question. Here's what's going to happen. The way I look at it is like this, Lombardi. Lamar Jackson is to the Ravens offense what Sammy Hagar was to Van Halen, right? You know when David Lee Roth got a hip injury and couldn't sing no more? Well, Hagar <laughs> stepped up, and it was a totally different it was vastly different, but it gave the band a new sound and a much needed, needed boost. You know what I'm saying? 
<laughs> yeah, it was totally different. Still Van Halen, but different. And and that Lamar Jackson, man, he is so fast, Lombardi. He is lightning fast. Last time I saw anything move that fast, Michael J. Fox traveled back in time in a DeLorean. <laughs> and his space capacitor, right? Whatever that thing was called. <laughs> I don't know what he was, but that's the way he runs. He runs and he leaves trails of smoke behind him. People are tackling ghosts out there. So I don't think there's anybody that's going to be able to stop Lamar Jackson. And then we hit him with a little razzle-dazzle, and then we give it to Big Gus, and he just runs people over. So give us a score, Baltimore Ron. I'm going to say Ravens are going to get easy 21 points. No question. They're going to get at least 21, and they're going to have the ball – it's a 60-minute game. They're going to have the ball on the ground for about 50 minutes. And I think the Chargers are going to be good enough to get seven. So I'm going 21-7, Baltimore Ravens. There you go, folks. You heard it from Baltimore Ron. Baltimore Ron, thanks for calling in. Always a pleasure. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. And, and look, that is my story, and I'm sticking to it. As you usually do. Thanks for joining us, Baltimore Ron. Later. <laughs> We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show. Like 33rd Street was to Colt fans, Russell Street will become legendary for future generations of Raven fans. Not only is Russell Street the team's address on Sunday, it's now home to the website voted Baltimore's best five years in a row. You've known them as Ravens247.com for years, and now you'll love them as RussellStreetReport.com for many more. There's nothing else like it for Baltimore football fans. Trust me, RussellStreetReport.com. Baltimore's home for football 24-7. Thanks again for joining us here on the program today. Also, special thanks to Harley Sherman, who covers the Ravens for Pro Football Focus, as well as Chris Johnston, who covers quarterbacks for Complete QB. Got to check out CompleteQB.com for all the latest from Chris Johnston. And also, special thanks to the always enjoyable Baltimore Ron. A programming note, next week, given the holiday, we'll only be doing an audio version of the program, so be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and YouTube. On behalf of the entire staff of Rush Street Report, thanks for joining in, and happy holidays.